and good evening, everyone. It is your good friend, Mr. Eric Norton. I'm here tonight with my new good friend, Daniel, the great curator. I am excited to have him on tonight to talk about a little, a little bit of everything in the hobby. Uh, Daniel, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you? I'm doing real well. Uh, first of all, uh, I love your content. I love what you do on YouTube. I love what you do uh, on uh, on Instagram. I, so this morning, I, I was as you and I were speaking off uh, speaking off air. I was just kind of browsing Instagram and I saw a couple of your reels and I saw your collection. I was like, hey. This might be pretty fun to have uh, to have him on, and then as I'm browsing your YouTube, I see you hanging out with uh, uh, Mr. Sports Card Investor himself. I was like, "Well, I guess this is not a bad play at all." So, uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you can make time for uh, for us tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, uh, I, I'm going to start the show like I do every every night and just ask the same question uh, I do to to all my new guests is. Tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, in the hobby. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I've been collecting ever since I was a little kid. Uh, just like many of us, we, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I collected toys, comics, uh, sports cards, all that stuff. And, um, you know, just like many other people during different phases in my life, I come in and out of the hobby. You know, you go to school, you uh, start working, you get married, whatever day, all that stuff. So I was coming in and out of the hobby. And then like a lot of people, um, last year, I kind of decided to kind of get back into a hobby. It was actually prompted by my wife. She kind of suggested because last year I was heavily collecting toys, you know, all sorts of different toys and, and comic art and things like that. And, um, you know, one day my wife was like, you know, you, you buy these toys and you, you keep all the boxes and they take up all this room. Can you like, can you like narrow it down a little bit? Can you buy something that kind of holds value? Why don't you go collect comic books or something? So that kind of got me thinking, okay, uh, she said it. So that gives me approval to go buy all this stuff. So I started researching graded comic books, which kind of segued into collecting graded cards again. And when I got back into the card market, oh my God, it changed so much. I've been, I had been out of it for 20, 25 years. So it had changed so much that um, I was just blown away by, by the industry and the market right now that I just dived straight into it and i was thinking to myself okay i've got collectible cards which i love okay i've got now they're like legitimate investment class so i got investment which i love because i had been studying investment strategy for like the last five six years of my life here mm -hmm. um so then i married the two and it was like oh my god this was like this is my time <laughs> i was built for this and i went straight head in for the last year and i've never looked back <laughs> so you just jumped head headlong into it and and here we are uh, you got some beautiful pieces behind you. I, I want to ask you though. Uh, you, you said you were coming in and out of the hobby. What were what were some of the biggest changes that you noticed? I mean, obviously there are huge huge changes to talk about, but what what really caught you off guard, or maybe caught your attention that made you wanted to uh, just f dive full into this? You know, I would say uh, aside from the the value that these that these cards hold now which, you know, everybody loves and everybody acknowledges. What got me interested was how um, how organized things were now, how with, mm -hmm. with the grading companies and the online databases. I mean, these things did not exist back in the 90s. Like, I mean, they did, but nobody took them seriously until mm -hmm. until fairly recently, right? So what what's kind of very interesting to me is like, you, you can take a card, for example, like, let me just, I'll just pull this card, for example. I just have, happen to have this, right? This is a, what is this? This is a 94 
Spider-Man Marvel card, right? There's probably, who knows? There's probably like 20,000 copies of these, right? And sure. every copy, this is a PSA 10, every copy that is like um, a PSA 9 or below is probably not worth that much. But, but what has happened in the market where basically PSA has established a, a, a niche category for these ultra, you know, mint items at a PSA 10, suddenly this card, you know, I think I paid like, I don't know, I forget what I paid. I'm just going to say like I paid like $250 for this now. Suddenly this 10 cent card is worth $250 just by creating that niche category. So that's what really kind of interests me um, to kind of get back in and, and understand like the psychology behind it and the reason why people are putting such premium values on these ultra high mint items. So I, I found it interesting that you showed off a, uh, a a Marvel card to start with, because that was actually going to be one of my questions to you is distinctly about the Marvel card market or the superhero card market. Uh, precious metal gems of, of these cards, or all these characters have just skyrocketed. But that set you showed uh, specifically uh, from the 90s, for some I'm going to say it's a stupid reason because I don't understand it. For some stupid reason, it just, like, all that stuff started taking off in the last four or five months. That set specifically, uh, you know, it's cooled down some. But why do you think that is? Is it is it the Marvel craze? Is it uh, guys had disposable income? Is it uh, people love Spider-Man? I don't, I don't know. What do you think it is, man? Sure. I'll give you a couple different reasons, okay, that, okay. that I, I'm speculating on here. Um, number one, like in the '90s, you know, we all we all you know collected these kind of things. We all collected these cards. We all watched these comic books. We all watched those like those '90s uh, cartoons on in the afternoon after we got from school, right? So we we grew up with that. You know, people in the, like the 30 to 40 demographic, they grew up with that, right? Then if you look in the next generation after us that grew up in the 2000s, what did they have? They had the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. All of those movies. So those kids are coming up to eight now. I mean, I think they that that franchise has been going on for 15 plus years now. Right. So all those right. kids are coming up of age now. They're in like their 20s and 30s. And then, you know, sports had it had its own market. It was already established. But I think that people are always looking for that next untapped market. Right. So you can say Pokemon, you can say Star Wars or you can say Marvel. And I would argue that Marvel has a bigger IP um following than than any of these other categories you know uh maybe not pokemon but pretty much as, as strong or as equal to any of these other uh categories and i think that's where people are kind of looking to to go into that right now like everything else is 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 so expensive now or it, you know they've already reached their highs or their peaks and they're going down and people are looking for that next hot market you know just like it was like uh, i would say like ufc or f F1 racing or soccer, people were like looking at those a few months ago. Now they're looking to the alternative stuff, uh, comic books, Star Wars, things like that. So you mentioned F1. How, how are you bullish on F1 still? Uh, or, or I'm sorry, do you think the market for F1 is still bullish or, or has it softened a little bit? I mean, I don't personally collect it myself because I don't I don't watch the show. And I, don't, I always tell people this because this is always preached to me by some of my friends like Ultimate Path time on instagram where he says buy what you like so for me personally i'm not into f1 but i do recognize it as like a legitimate uh category and i would say that uh it's probably coming down but it's still relatively uh it's not a mature market yet not a lot of people watch that show on netflix and from what i understand they're coming out with a second series like a like the second tier category i think it's called like f2 
uh, mm-hmm. of like the minor league guys. They jump up to the F1 series. And I think it is growing in popularity in America. So I still think that it's an immature market. Um, and you'll probably see it go back up at some point. So in that same breath, and you also mentioned uh, UFC, that, that's been around for a while. And it's very popular with the guys who love it. But uh, with with Panini taking over that, that license, you know, their first product out was Prism. And I think it was like $900 a box. Is that sustainable in your mind? You know, that's hard to say. Uh, I mean, probably not. Uh, but I think the market will adjust at some point. You know, I, I think that no matter what price these products are, I mean, like if, if that Prism is $900, they'll, they'll make a lower end one, just like they do with NBA where they have Prism and then they have Hoops and then they have the ultra high end with like national treasures and things like that. I think that they will to adjust so that they can get those entry level collectors before, you know, before they see the rest of their stuff skyrocket. But really their price is all based off of demand, you know, and people are just so hungry for these products that they'll, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if like, it'd be like a $2,000 box or $2,500 box and, and people will pay for that stuff. You know, the, 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 the way people went crazy for this stuff, uh, you know, that played out with, with target removing cards from their shelves and now you can only buy it online. Uh, as a new, as a, as a new guy coming back into it, what were your thoughts when you seeing people going nuts at targets, buying everything that they had? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I talk about this in some of my YouTube videos, but I think that just it's, it's, a it's just people getting caught up in the hype. Okay. I think it's, yeah. it's two reasons. One, people getting caught up in the hype and two, uh, the, the distributors or the manufacturers, whoever's in charge of putting that product out there, they're, they're incredibly inefficient with how they did things. And they just underestimated the demand for it. Maybe just, they didn't take us seriously as collectors where they just thought, you know, kids were buying this stuff or whatever, but they just didn't plan well for it. And it just caused, it caused people to go crazy for it. So that stuff, when I, I mean, like when I first got back in, I thought I could just go to Target and buy these things, no problem. And what I learned is, okay, you know, I had to go find, I had to go to Target on the days that they had, uh, the distributor was there. So I had to basically check Target every day and figure that out. Then I had to find out like what times I could go right to catch them after the restock. And then I noticed that other people were following these, these, you know, restockers all over the place. So I had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And then they put in the rules where, you know, they were only going to sell it on like a Friday and only going to be one person. So then I would have to like go to target at 7am to wait in line to get, maybe get one or two products only to find out that people were camping out the night before. So it just got, it got too crazy. And I, for me, I kind of took a step back from that. I kind of focused on on buying individual cards rather rather than wax, but I just thought it was just it was just too crazy, and I think that's a lot of that's a big problem that a lot of people are kind of dealing with. So hopefully, with the new licenses that come out uh, through um, Fanatics, they can try to figure out a better way to kind of deal with that. I, mean, I hope so too. That's uh, you know, it's a give and a take you have here in this market because it is so hot, and then you know, then there just seems to be a shortage of product for people to buy or but it's really because everybody's buying it up and it's kind of a, a you know, a catch 22 situation for everybody involved. So with fanatics coming to, uh, coming to I mean, into play in the next few years, you know, they're, they're, forgive me for saying they're, they're like the Walmart or the Amazon of, uh, you know, of, of the sports world. And, and here we go. Let's see what's happening. Let's, let's, let's see what's going to happen. Uh, I think there's, I think there's mm-hmm. space for everybody to operate. Uh, but there's going to be some changes coming on the horizon. What were your thoughts when you heard the fanatics news initially? 
I mean, I was shocked just like everybody else. Cause I didn't, you know, to be honest, I didn't really know for, about fanatics. I don't buy their memorabilia or their sports apparel that much. So I didn't know too much about them. And when I heard that they, you know, they bought up, I think was it was just like the NBA license or baseball license first, right? Mm-hmm. They bought that up right. and then they started. And then there was a rumor that they're going to get the NFL and NBA. So I was like, oh my gosh, who are these people? So I started kind of doing some research on that. Oh, there's my, <laughs> she wants to join the conversation. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I understand. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was crazy, you know, when they bought up all those licenses and then I kind of started doing research about them. And then I was like, okay, I, I you know, I could have the initial reaction that most people have where they're like, okay, here comes the big corporation. They're coming in. Uh, they're going to ruin everything for us. But then I started thinking like, well, you know, things aren't that great right now. You know, the way, honestly, the way they are right now, things are not that great. So maybe, you know, if this big company's coming in, they can use their, they can flex their, their resources. They can improve on the, the logistics of it. So maybe that will work. Maybe they will bring more attention to the hobby and more, more collectors, more investors will come into the hobby and will invest their money, which, you know, will build our ecosystem and, and build the hobby and raise the value of our cards. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to wait to see what, what they do before I pass judgment and, and um, determine how I feel. But overall, I feel excited about it. Absolutely. Uh, I think, I think as uh, you know, the initial shock and subsides, I think people will hopefully feel excited about it. Hey, I, I got to pause right here, Daniel, and uh, introduce uh, my legacy sports art uh, card of the night. Our, our spotlight tonight is actually Jamie Thomas's uh, Fiji card, which the NFTs go on sale tonight. Well, they went on sale about 15 minutes ago. So, uh, guys, you can uh, head over and get yourself uh, or start bidding on Fiji cards uh, as you uh, as you check this card out. As I as I pull it up here, I'll show you Jamie's card that is available. Uh, fi- remember that you're going to get the physical card and the NFT itself. So, there's Jamie's nice uh, nice work of Thatcher Demko there. Jamie is a wonderful artist, as we all know. You can go check him out at LegacySportsArt.com and use code uh blp 2021 you can get yourself 10 percent off uh your first sketch card there uh, again the holiday season is right around the corner you can go ahead and grab yourself a a shot or a spot if you can if he still has time left you can get a one-of-one custom uh sketch card made and that is a great holiday gift for the collector in your family go check him out let him know that we sent you over there Shout out to Thatcher and all the other artists that are involved uh, with this project. Lauren Taylor, um, Jamie Thomas, of course, Dan, uh, Dan Petens, and of course, Blake Jamison, all involved with the Fiji cards in this first round that went on sale about 15 minutes ago. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about Precious Metal Gems. I brought them up earlier, but you have a few in your collection specifically that I want to talk about, and it's the Mike Tyson <laughs> and the Hulk Hogan uh, PMG Purples that I absolutely love. These are, now, correct me if I'm wrong, these are Upper Deck uh, employee cards, right? Is that right? Yes, they were employee exclusives and in, right. uh, issued in 2013. Um, I think that, and then number, I've got two of them right here. They're numbered uh, to 125 each. Okay, all right. Let's show, I'm, they're PSA cards, but uh, let me see them anyways, just, just so we can know what we're talking about. Is that cool? Sure. There we go, there's Hogan. Hogan. And then there and is Tyson. the... Man, I love that. The Hogan is cool. Like it, it harkens back to uh, the Rock and Wrestling Roadshow or whatever. You know, I, I love that cartoon when I was a kid. But that Tyson man, that I have two dream cards. 
One is a uh, 52, 52 ringside Rocky Marciano rookie, and the other is that Tyson okay. that you just held up. Uh, I oh, love really okay. I, I I love I love boxing cards. I just like it's just me. It's something that I don't think that we talk about enough because I, maybe the market for collecting that is 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 slightly different. Obviously, it is, but. I love you know the old mechas, the mecha cigarettes cards, and and all those T two hundred sixes and all that, all those T series cards. I love, but that Tyson card, I think, and this is just my opinion. I think that that card is like a generational card for guys our age. You know, we're that Mike Tyson when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, he was an icon, and he still is an icon. And that that card that pose is perfect. I think Upper Deck did a wonderful job on it. Uh, what what drew you to that particular card there, Daniel? Uh, well, I I, I kind of learned about PMGs through listening to different podcasts, right? Okay. And um, I think it was the you know the name escapes me right now, but the Wrestling Card Podcast, I think it's called. Um, yeah, yeah. They mentioned they had an episode of. Uh, like big of uh, wrestling cards, right? And they were mentioning like the Hogan PMG as like one of the grail cards that people should go after. So that's when mm-hmm. I first learned about it. And then I did a search, you know, on eBay and I was lucky enough to find one that came up and I, I snatched it right away. Um, and I picked it up and uh, that kind of got me started on the PMG craze. And then when I got it in the mail and I was like looking at it in my hands, I was like, oh my God, this thing is beautiful, you know? So then I right. kind of went down that rabbit hole and I found out that of that year, they had a whole bunch of different athletes. And Tyson was a, another one that I really wanted here. Um, and then I had the opportunity to uh, to to get the Tyson. Uh, I think it was like a month ago or something like that. I got it. And, man, I'm just so obsessed with these things. They're like they're, – they're kind of mesmerizing. You look, yeah. You look at them and you think they're kind of plain, right? They You know, just one color in the back and then the picture. But then when you actually hold it in your hands and you hold it and you, like, stare <laughs> at it, you kind of get lost in it for a while. That, so now that, I'm completely obsessed with PMGs. So like earlier this year, like probably I see, I went to the South Carolina Comic Comic Con in April, and all anybody was ever was talking about there were, were precious metal gym cards. And it didn't matter what sport it was, what uh, product it was. Uh, speaking of Marvel cards, or you know anything from anything that Upper Deck was doing with with that brand. Uh, was absolutely amazing. We had one. We had PMGs in the latest product, uh, the the Skybox Metal that just came out. With those are awesome. But like that, it is mesmerizing. The the color schemes on all of them, and then of course some of the biggest cards ever are you know those red PMGs from the mid '90s, like that Michael Jordan that's up on Golden Auction right now. That you know it's it's amazing. They're amazing cards. I love that when you you came back into it and you found out about them, you you immediately started chasing them. Uh, have has there been any uh, just out of reach for you just yet? I mean, yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to win <laughs> a bunch of them on on eBay. I'm getting my butt kicked, to be honest. And I, I pride myself in being a very aggressive bidder on eBay. Like I bid way over the asking price. I'll bid last second. I know all the tricks, and I'm getting killed on these PMP auctions. <laughs> these, people, these people are not messing around. Let me tell you. Like, but I'm trying to like. Well, this is actually my second Hogan. So anytime I see one of these, I'm going to buy it. You know, I'm trying to stack these. Same thing with the Tyson. Uh, but, like, the Marvel cards are the one I'm trying to pick up right now. So, I mean, it's it's just very competitive. But that's where my focus is right now on those Marvel PMGs. Those Marvel PMGs are so beautiful. And it's such – I think – I feel like it was an underrated market where people just didn't care, didn't pay attention. And then all of a sudden, uh, 
they they found out about them and now it's just they're they're untouchable. Is that is that fair to say? I would say so. Like there's definitely something going on because they're going for thousands of dollars, some of these ones. And you know, like I just remember a couple months ago, like I remember I had a local show I was doing uh in Sherman Oaks. Uh, the guy had a whole table of Marvel PMGs and nobody paid, paid attention to him. And I went over, I talked to him. I was like, what is going on here? What is this? And he's like, oh, these are Marvel PMGs, man. They're going to be hot. I just put it out here just to kind of show people so they, you know, they can take in, they know that these things exist. And I didn't really think about it too much, but now I remember about it now. And I'm like, man, like, like that guy was ahead of the curve at that time. Yeah. And now people are kind of, now the, now the, the cat is out of the bag and people know about these things. So now everybody's trying to buy them up and maybe part of it is like they're speculating or they're there's a little bit of FOMO going on, but I definitely think there's something special going on with the whole Marvel and P uh, category right now. I think so too. Uh, I told you I was going to keep you to about 25 minutes and I'm going to stand true to my word. So uh, the, one of the last things I want to talk to you tonight about is uh, GI Joe's man. You have a great GI Joe collection. Uh, I, for, yes. First, I got to ask, is this, are these from your childhood or did you pick them up later in life? Most of those are from my childhood. So That's like I was kind of saying, yeah, like I was saying, and I pride myself on having my my childhood figures that have memories, a sentimental attachment to them. Like I remember playing with these things. I have most of those, uh, the ones that survived, I have them all. And I have like other ones that I've collected out throughout the years. But to be honest, most of them, I've had most of those Joes since like the mid nineties, you know? So they're like, what? They're like, they must be like 20, 30, 40 years old, like close to. 40 years old, most of those toys, and they're still in pretty good condition. But I wasn't kidding with you when I told you, like I collected as a kid. I was a, I was like, I was the great curator when I was a little kid too. You know, that's something new. This is, you know, something I've been doing for, for, for decades. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, sorry. One, one moment. Scott Rose, he asked, what is a PMG? Scott, that is a precious metal gem card. Uh, Daniel, you mind holding one of them back up? I'll hold the Tyson one for you. Hold the Tyson one. Thank you very much. So that's that's the purple. That's an Upper Deck uh, employee exclusive. They're all numbered to 125. But what, the thing about PMGs is uh, really what happened in the 90s with that new technology when Flair put it out to begin with. There's the Hogan. Uh, so it just added extra value. Uh, not Well, just not extra value. It's actually a lot of value uh, to, to those cards. If you look at, that, at those 90s PMGs, they're absolutely beautiful and growing, going off the charts. And now with modern PMGs, th that that's happening as well. Back to GI Joe. Uh, I gotta ask, just because I, I'm I'm ignorant to it, and I and I want to know, is this is the is the market for GI Joes the same as it is for like Kenner Star Wars figures, or is it is it stronger? Is it is it a little bit less? What do you, what do you, what do you think about it? Uh, I don't think it's as strong as Star Wars because Star Wars is a has a huge, huge like cult following, cult fan base. Mm -hmm. But there is there is a niche market for GI Joe definitely, um, and for just for the toys, you know, and the other properties that they have. And I don't know if you if you keep up with it, but they're remaking a lot of toys now, mm -hmm. um, and they're reissuing the old ones and they're making different different versions of the new ones and stuff like that. So the property still is strong. They're trying to reboot it, I think, uh, with the last that just came out. Uh, but there is that definitely strong collector's market for that. But, you know, interestingly enough, they have not transitioned into cards yet. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure at some point in the future that's, com that's coming. And if you want, I'll show you this real quick. If I give you yeah, please go ahead. Me. Yeah. After this that I picked up recently. This is an uncut 
G.I. Joe, uh, 1992 Impel card sheet. Wow. So, I need to get framed pretty soon, but, you know, I don't, I think people are sleeping on the G.I. Joe ones too, but I mean, just like all these other properties, Marvel, Transformers, all that, all the stuff from the 80s, early 90s. I mean, people are going to start looking for those things at some point and, and cards of all these things exist. People just don't know about it. Sure. You mentioned Impel and I, that brought to mind, Earlier this year, when uh, Suicide Squad came out, the second one, and John Cena's character, Peacemaker, he had an Impel rookie in 92, and that card just took off. So to your credit, and listen to the man because he knows what you're talking about, go ahead and look for these G.I. Joe cards, uh, these Impel G.I. Joe cards. You might be surprised. And I'm saying that, one, because we just had Snake Eyes release, which it wasn't like the greatest film ever, but it was a good film. It was a, it was a good, you know, uh, go check it out, enjoy it one time. And then Amazon is set to release a G.I. Joe series that's centering around uh, Jane. So that's going to uh, set the market up for that kind of stuff. You can already see it in the comic book world as Jane's first appearance is, is probably doubled or tripled in price already. So it's something that you should be paying attention to. Daniel, do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 38. Okay, he's 38. I'm 40. Take it to, from from two two older gentlemen that, that lived through the 80s and into the 90s, how popular G.I. Joe is. If, if you're just not aware, it's probably definitely worth checking out uh on your on your free on your spare time. And, and you know, if, do you think it's too late to jump in right now, Daniel? Or is there, or is it still pretty full where you should get in? For cards? For G.I. Joe cards? Yeah, yeah just yeah, oh, cards. It, it, it's at the it's it's in the stage you can you can buy uh boxes you know sealed wax boxes for like 30 bucks 30 40 bucks so oh, definitely wow. um yeah definitely it's it, it hasn't even taken off yet and i don't to my knowledge i don't think there's like there's very little graded cards out there but i think mm -hmm. that there are a lot sitting at psa so you you will see that start to come out as they get through their their you know bulk orders and stuff so over the course mm -hmm. of the next year you'll probably see a lot of graded cards out there but for right now you can buy them for cheap Sure. So uh, what I heard there is there's there's low pop reports right now, which might be beneficial to you uh, if you're looking to to invest or flip these quickly. So go ahead and pick those up if you can find them. All right, man, we're, we're up against the clock here. Uh, I told you uh, we'll get you out of here in about 25 minutes. So, yeah. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you had anything else you wanted to say? Uh, you know, like one thing I'll say is, um, well, first of all, I want to just kind of shout out a friend of mine. I, I said I would do this for her mama breaks on Instagram. Go check her out. But she okay. encouraged me to make the videos that I post on YouTube all the time. And and my message that I always preach in all my all my videos, even though people say it's redundant at this point, is I always tell people like, you know, we need to we need to bring civility back to the hobby. We need to be positive. We can't always put profit first. We can't be nasty to each other. We've got to kind of act like gentlemen investors. So I'm always mm -hmm. preaching people to kind of hold themselves to a very high standard of civility in the hobby. And we can just do that very simply by just being nice, kind, helpful, uh, and polite to each other and respectful. And if we do that, I believe that we'll build a strong community. The hobby will grow from that and that will raise the value of all. Listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. If he if he's saying be nice and civil to each other, should probably be nice and civil to each other. It's not it's not a hard thing to do. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Daniel in Las Vegas at the card show, and uh, I, I enjoyed working with him for the time that we were there. And I, I, I hope that you had a good time. Did you, did you do well that show? I don't know. I, I didn't get back there to see if you, 
how well you might oh, yeah, have yeah. yeah, it was really it was a lot of fun. You know, any show in Vegas is a great time. So that that location that you guys picked was a lot of fun, and the show was the show had a lot of uh, traffic, and you know, I, I made some pretty good deals there. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad that that. Yeah, I, I did. I posted a vlog of, of YouTube channel of the of the Vegas show. I saw you with, like I said, I saw you with Sports Card Investor, uh, but I'll, I want to encourage everybody. I, I posted his YouTube channel uh, back earlier in the comments. Go check him out. Give him a subscribe. Hit that notification button so, uh, so you can help him out there as well. Scott Roach says, I'm a 64-year-old 64, 64 guy. G.I. Joe uh, was a big doll with a footlocker back when he was a kid. Uh, is there any value that's in those? That yeah, that, <laughs> well, yes, those are, <laughs> those are very valuable, but we're talking about like, our generation of G.I. Joe's, the 80s, the cartoon G.I. Joe. Absolutely. Go check that out. Not that rock stuff either, rock and Shannon Tatum. We don't need that. We just need Duke. <laughs> we need Jane and, uh, and you know, Cobra Commander. Right. We're going to be okay. All right, guys. Right. That's right. going to be it uh, for tonight. Thank you so much, for everybody, for joining me. Daniel, hang out backstage with me just for a moment. Everybody else, good night. God bless. We'll see you next week.